numbered verses, but we will finish together on verse number 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, the Word of God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Together. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to rightly divide this scripture to learn the truth that you have for us today. And Father, I pray that there would just be a wholesale returning to the truth in our community, in our nation, in our world. Uh, Lord, you are the creator, and you told us how you made things and how things are supposed to work. And I pray we'd surrender to that and benefit from it. And as we point people to Jesus, may the light of Christ shine freely through us as we seek to please you in all things. We pray you'd speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. I had another message I wanted to preach today, and I was working on it earlier this week. And I uh, sensed that the Lord wanted us to go to this scripture where we're at today. Uh, and I've, as I was looking back at, at some of the sermons I've preached uh, on this weekend, the last several years, I tend to talk to you about something to do with work or labor. Of course, it's Labor Day, and uh, most of you, not all of you, have the, the day off tomorrow. All of you should have the day off. If you don't, you might want to talk to your boss. But, uh, uh, you know, what is Labor Day? Most people just think about it as a day off. Uh, but Labor Day was a federal holiday organized uh, to celebrate the contributions of laborers uh, and the achievements of laborers to the United States. And so it's a reminder of work uh, and the importance of work and what work does and how work benefits us. And in our day and age, there is a lot of confusion about work. And I sense that this is what, why the Lord would have us go to this passage today. Now I realize I'm preaching to the choir. I am talking to people that are hard workers. Some of you work incredibly hard. Some of you literally uh, are hurting yourselves trying to provide for your families and, and different things. I think about single parents who have to work so diligently. I think, you know, the, the cost of living in our community uh, is astonishing right now. They just built a a house right down the road, just a few houses down, uh, eight, $900,000 house. I was at a, I passed by a house yesterday, just a 
regular house, uh, $799,000, uh, just right down the road here. Uh, cost of living, I went to the store twice this week. One time I walked out with uh, two bags of groceries and it cost me like 86 bucks. Another time it was like $109 and I'm like, I just got two bags of groceries and, you know, everything is kind of off kilter. But I think the importance of today's message is to do two things. Number one is to remind us of the good things about work. There are good things about work. And number two is to remind us that as necessary as work is, it's important we don't get lost in it. Because work can overtake your life and become the most important thing. Uh, Work has been held in high esteem for much of human history. But today there's great work, there's great confusion about work. Young people tend to see work as a punishment. I think that's just kind of a young person thing to do. You know, they, children think that work is punishment. It's like, go clean your room. Why? What did I do? You know, it's like, you messed it up. You know, that's why you're going to go clean it. And, uh, you know, teenagers often uh, see work as some type of punishment. Uh, the culture is trying to push off work as some type of punishment. In the last few years, those that have espoused woke ideology have called work a, quote, element of the destructive patriarchy, whatever that means. You know, work is bad is a, is a way to say that. Uh, there have been a few fake studies come out recently that talked about how work and hard work in particular is a form of racism, which saying that hard work is racism is racism. Uh, r- ridiculous things. There have been... Uh, People not wanting to go back to work from COVID and being laid off from COVID. And, you know, who would have thought that if you pay people more money to stay home than they can make working a 40-hour week, who would have thought that they wouldn't want to go back to work? I mean, it's, it's mystifying. There's also this trend now called quiet quitting where people are keeping their job. They're just not being productive because they shouldn't have to be expected to do all of these things. And as we see, as those things are happening, it's coinciding with uh, our culture kind of imploding and and shattering and, and falling apart. And I think these things go together. The Bible has an awful lot to say about work. Work is vital for a civilization to prosper. And it's important that people have the proper mindset about work. Dear Christian, you, out of everybody at your workplace, you need to have the proper mindset about work. Christians should be the hardest workers at their job. Well, it's not fair. It's not. But it's part of our testimony. I remember a job years ago that I took. I I was working for myself. Uh, long story short, I had about seven employees. They ended up making some mistakes that I had to make right. I had to stop working for myself for a while after uh, taking all of that and, and fixing fixing those things. And I needed some money fast. So in a miracle story, I don't have time to tell you, uh, in two days I became a journeyman member of a local union, which is supposed to take four years and 
I walked into this place. It's like, I need a job. They're like, well, you got to be a, a in the union. I say, how do you get in the union? They kind of laugh at me and say, you can't really just get in the union. You gotta. I said, well, who do I talk to? And then uh, that was the end of a week. I come back to the beginning of next week. I had a journeyman union card. Totally legal, by the way. And uh, uh, they're like, that can't be real. She called the boss out. He's like, that can't be real. And uh, he called somebody. It is real. Wow, this is amazing. He said, well, we really don't need anybody. And I said, I'll work a day for free, show you how I work. He said, no, we really don't need anybody. I said, I'll work, I'll work two days for free. I needed a job. And uh, he's like, no, I really can't do that. I said, I'll work a week for free. And he's like, what? what? Who are you? And so finally he gave me a job out of pity and persistence. And uh, <clears throat> in a week I went from being unemployed to making twenty-seven ninety an hour with a $12 an hour benefit package as a, a 24-year-old man. And just one of those things that God did for you. Just like, that was a lot of money back in the, in the 90s in the Midwest, or 2000 in the Midwest. It's a lot of money today. A lot of money, yeah. <laughs> a lot of money today. True. And uh, God just did it. I started working with these guys, and as soon as I got there, the first week I was working, they're like, they called me over at lunchtime. They said, hey, you're working too hard. You're making us look bad. Just pull it back a little bit. And I looked at them and said, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to work hard. I want to come to work. I want to get my money. I want to, to do a good job. I'm a Christian. That was part of my Christian testimony. Well, these guys really got upset at me and started to make my life difficult uh, because I was working harder than them. Anybody ever been there? It's like if you work hard on the job and, and you make other people look bad, they'll, they'll start trying to pull you down. The old Cain and Abel situation. Uh, don't make me look bad or I'll kill you and bury you in a field somewhere. But uh, all that to say, hard work is part of our Christian testimony. And it ought never be said that the Christian is the lazy one. Because our God's not lazy, our Savior's not lazy. I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. The Bible has a lot to say about work. Uh, and we're going to look at that today. Let's jump right into the Scriptures and we'll show you some things. We're going to bounce around the Scripture and show you several important things. We want to consider our text Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. We read the fourth commandment, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, and, of course, the Sabbath day in the Old Testament was uh, Saturday. The Christian Sabbath is Sunday. Uh, and there's still some confusion about that. There is even a Seventh-day Baptist church over in the western part of of Rhode Island, where they basically believe a lot of the things we do, but they think the Sabbath is on Saturday still. Seventh-day Adventists are a church. They've got some other doctrinal issues uh, that, that we would take, uh, that we think they're wrong on the Scripture. Uh, but their big point is that we need to be having church on Saturday. But it's very clear that, that was the Old Testament Sabbath. The New Testament Sabbath was on Sunday after the resurrection of Christ, Sunday was the day set apart for God or hallowed. The Bible says here that the Sabbath is hallowed. It's set apart for God. Uh, and in the New Testament, we see Sunday as set apart for God. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, And upon the first day of the week, 
when the disciples came together to break bread. First day of the week being Sunday, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. And so very clearly the Sunday became the Christian Sabbath. Any Christianized country, Sabbath was Sunday. It was a day set apart for the Lord. And think about those of you that are older would remember that basically most of the stores would be closed on Sunday. Uh, and it, it was kind of a thing whenever stores started being open on Sunday. And then I, since I've been here in the last 20 years, it was kind of a big to-do that Rhode Island uh, car sales places would be open on Sunday. And some of you may remember that. You could go across the line and buy a car on Sunday in, in Massachusetts, but you couldn't get one in Rhode Island on Sunday. And uh, some of you will remember a time when they didn't have Little League and and peewee sports and, and uh, peewee football and t-ball on Sunday. That was the Lord's Day. If you go back far enough, you had to do all your shopping on Saturday because literally there was no place to get food on Sunday. The restaurants would be closed and so on. Uh, and so in most Christianized countries, the day of the Lord, the Lord's Day, the Bible calls it, was Sunday. And so we celebrate our Christian Sabbath, our day of rest, our hallowed day is on Sunday, and that's an important thing. Now, why did God institute a day of rest? Look what it says here in the scripture again, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it set apart for God. Why? Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work. Now, we're going to come back to that, but I want you to notice that that is... Uh, in the form of the imperative. So we're not just supposed to work. The Bible says we're really supposed to work six days. And I'll explain what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean work for a corporation or the company you work for for six days, but it means we should be involved in productive labor six days of the week, getting things done, doing things that matter. And then notice what it says in verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of who? The Lord thy God. It's the Lord's day, as it's called in the uh, in the New Testament. Now, why is a day of rest important? And I think the ultimate goal is this. We won't delve into the the Old Testament issues here, but here's the the spiritual truth we want to take from it. Some people work too much, so some people don't work enough. Would you agree with that? And some people work too much. Would you agree with that? And so the Bible here is, is reminding us, God said, as part of his creation, he said, I want, you to, I want you to work. I want you to be busy. I want you to get things done. But I want you to have a day set apart for me so work never becomes the most important thing in your life. And I know an awful lot of people who are so busy, they don't have time for God. Do you know anybody like that? That's a violation of the fourth commandment. And so we see God says some people work too much, so I'm going to set apart a day that ensures you keep me as your priority no matter how busy you become. 
And I think that's still a good way to live, don't you? Now, again, I told you I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You're sitting here in church. Well done. I'm not scolding you. I'm saying you're doing a good job. But I'm telling you the underlying reason why this is important so that we make sure God doesn't get lost in the busyness of our lives. I think it's a vital truth. Look back at verse 8. Excuse me, verse 9. Six days shalt thou labor. Six days shalt thou labor. Work is not only a good idea, work is a commandment. God intends everybody to be productive. And being productive benefits God, it benefits you, it benefits your family, it benefits society as a whole. And so I want to give you three thoughts today before we go to the house. I want to give you three thoughts about work that we find in the scriptures. Very simple message, but one that I think is is needed in our culture today. Number one, work is godly. Work is godly. The word godly just simply means like God. If you want to be like God, you must be a worker. Think about that. If you want to be like God, then you've got to be a worker. You've got to be willing to accomplish things, to get some things done. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. As part of our text, we see God's work in creation. Exodus chapter 20, 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The very first time we see God mentioned in the Bible, He's busy. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the first two chapters of the Holy eternal word of God are telling us what God was doing at the time, what God did, what God accomplished. And work is godly. Work is not a bad word. Work is not a punishment. Work is not a four-letter word. Work is godly. It's a good thing to do. We see a letter B uh, that Christ worked his way to the cross. So not only did God work in creation, but Christ worked to the cross. Take your Bible and look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we see the Lord busy. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, robed Himself in eternal flesh and through the process of the eternal, through the virgin birth, became wrapped in perfect, sinless humanity. And he lived a life for about 30 years before he started his public ministry. He lived among men. He came to save them. But do you know what Jesus did for his profession? Can anyone remind me? He was a carpenter. That's right. Jesus had a job before anybody knew he was the Savior. That ought to tell us something, shouldn't it? And by the way, this is carpentry when there were no power tools, no power drills, no power saws. It was long, hard work. 
Jesus Christ was a worker. And you can guarantee he was the best worker on the job. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 51. The Bible says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so our Lord said, now's the time. Now's the appointed time. The I'm going to pay the price for sin. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be lied about. I'm going to submit to crucifixion. I'm going to die on the cross so the sins of all the world can be placed upon me. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise again. I'm going to ascend up to heaven. He was going to complete the gospel plan. And when that time come, he steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. Nobody, no thing was going to keep the Son of God from accomplishing what God had sent him to do. I I tell my workers and the people that used to work for me, and I tell my children now, leaders are problem solvers. Do you know who the boss is? He's the guy you call when you don't know what to do. And all you have to do in order to keep rising in the ranks and and become more and more profitable at your job is to learn how to solve problems. Jesus said, I've got somewhere to go. I've got a job to accomplish. Nobody, no thing is going to stop me. Satan threw everything he had at Christ to keep him from accomplishing the cross. Matter of fact, if we fast forward to Revelation chapter 12, we won't for time's sake. God gives us a a high-level view. Satan tried to keep Jesus from being born. Satan tried to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Satan did everything he could do to stop the plan of God. But that's always a fool's errand, folks. Never find yourself opposite God. The best thing you could do is be surrendered, submit to God, find out what God wants, surrender to it, and walk that path. And now you have God working through you rather than you trying to work against Him. That never works out well. Look at John chapter 9. Look at John chapter 9. We see about Jesus. His time on earth, He was a worker. And he worked his way to the cross. John chapter 9. And look at verse 4. This was Jesus' philosophy about work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said, I must work the works. I must work the works. I was talking to someone this week and You know, when you're self-employed, nobody tells you what time to get up. Nobody tells you when to be there. Nobody tells you what you have to do. You either do it or it doesn't get done and you starve. As a pastor, nobody's there saying, all right, pastor, what time? Get up, pastor, get up. Nobody's saying, all right, you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, you, You have to have the mindset, I must work the work. There's things to be done. We're going to get them done. And nobody was there this week when I got up at this time or that time. One, one morning this week, I woke up at 3.37 in the morning because I kind of woke up and I thought, I've got a lot to do. And I laid there and tried to go to sleep for a while and I laid there and prayed for like 45 minutes and then I read my Bible for a while and 
Finally, I just got up, and it's like, I just got stuff to do. Now, every day is not like that, thank God. But uh, you've got to have this mindset of, I've got stuff to do, and I've got things I need to accomplish. That was the mindset of Christ. We see work as godly. God worked in creation. Christ worked himself to the cross. Uh, Was there any more dedication ever shown than Jesus Christ submitting himself to the mock trial? Jesus Christ getting punched in the face as they put a bag over his head saying, prophesy who smote thee. They pulled out his beard. They put a fake thorn of thorns of inches long on his head and beat it down with a rod. They, They nailed him to a cross, stuck him between heaven and earth as every Every breath was labor and effort. And then God turned out the lights of heaven. And for three hours, He paid for the sins of everybody who would ever be born and who would ever sin. Folks, nobody worked harder than Jesus. There's never been a man walk the face of the earth that worked harder than our Savior. And He's the one we should try to be like. Amen? We see work is godly. Let her see labor is expected from Christians. God expects his people to work. The, the number one prayer request of Jesus Christ was pray for laborers. Pray for people that are willing to work in my harvest. You know, dear Christian friend, <coughs> we live in a day and age where the powers that be want you to be as busy as possible simply trying to survive. I think there is a coordinated effort for that to happen. Some years ago, decades ago, the powers that be decided if they can get two incomes out of each house, then that's more money for them. You know, there was a day and age back in the 50s, a man could work at the local hardware store on Main Street, make enough money to buy a house, buy a car, pay for his entire family, and his wife could stay home and take care of the kids. What happened? The powers that be found out, but boy, if you can get two incomes out of each house, now it's more money to go around. More production, more money to go around. We have to decide as God's people, we have to decide, I'm going to be as busy as God wants me to be. I'm going to be the hardest worker at my job. And when it's time to work, I'm going to work. And when it's time to go home and be a part of my family, I'm going to go home and be the best dad I can be. I'm going to be the best a child I can be. We have to live in the moment, work when it's time to work. But did you know going home, there's still work to do? The yard still has to be mowed. Dinner has to be cooked. Kids have to be cared for. The mindset, though, is I work while I'm at work. And then the rest of life isn't work. No, God's idea was this idea of working six days. Don't miss this. This idea of working six days a week is not working six days for a paycheck. It's life requires effort. And you have to work enough to provide for your family, but you also have to leave enough room so you can do the effort of life to care for your family, to provide a place to live, to to take care of the needs, all of these things. It's hard work to come home and be dad. One of the hardest jobs on the planet is simply to be a wife and mother of of someone who's caring for the, the house and taking care of the kids. And all of these things require effort. Going to the store, getting the groceries, preparing the food, 
all of it. But if you're not careful, you, we get so focused on work to pay the bills that we don't have anything left over to work to build a successful life. Does that make sense to you? And this idea of work six days is you need to be productive every day to build a successful life. But one day belongs to me, God says. And that way, I never get lost, God says, in the midst of all the busyness. That, dear friend, is profound. Let me give you two more thoughts. Number one, work is godly. Number two, work is good. God commanded six days a week. Exodus 20, six days shalt thou labor. I say under that, work is good for you. Let me show you a verse here, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, going all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, work is good for you. The Bible says it's good for someone to bear the yoke in their youth. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God gave Adam a job as soon as he was made. But notice the timing of this. This isn't after the fall. After sin entered, work got harder. But don't miss the point that in the perfect Garden of Eden, God gave Adam a job. Work is not a result of evil or bad or sin. Work is part of God's perfect plan. And God said, Adam, I made you in such a way that even in a perfect place as a perfect person, you need something to do to be productive. Because work is good for you. We see next that work is good for our family. Work protects us against laziness. Work improves our lives. Work benefits the common good. Look at Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 12. These verses are so vital and this this concept is getting lost in in our corrupted culture. Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 24. The hand of the diligent, that's a hard worker, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. The diligent people, hard workers, kind of rise to the top, taking on more and more responsibility. But whenever you choose to be slothful, you kind of settle down to the bottom and you'll always have people over you more than necessary. As I said before, diligent people don't need someone telling them what to do. Slothful people need someone to tell them what to do, don't they? Did you do this? Did you you do this yet? Did you do that? Did you do it right? Did you do this? You You say, why are you on me? Because you don't have the testimony of doing it well. When you get the testimony of doing something well, then you get left alone. So it improves your life. Work protects us against laziness, which God talks bad about. Work improves our own lives. We get to rise to the top. Get 
Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is great waster. You know, if you have to work for something, you tend to take care of the things you've paid for with your effort. But you know, when you give people things for free, often they don't value them. Why? Because it costs them nothing. We see also that work is good for society. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Work is good for society. We saw during COVID, during the lockdowns, boy, crime increased. What's amazing, if people don't have anything to do, they tend to get themselves in trouble. My grandma could have told you that. Idle hands are the devil's what? Yeah. You don't have anything to do, you're going to get yourself in trouble. What the Bible says here, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Slack is a lazy hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Laziness leads to poverty, the Bible says. Now, not all poverty comes from laziness. Sometimes it comes from the sins and mistakes of others. But one sure way to make yourself poor is to be lazy. Slothfulness leads to decay. Ecclesiastes 10.18, by much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. Boy, whenever... We're not working to get the things done. The house starts to fall apart. Imagine a society falls apart. Work is good for society. There's a lot of talk right now about universal basic income. Have you heard that talked about? We're just going to pay you to be alive because you can't work and you know, AI and robots, you're not going to have any jobs anyways. We're just going to pay you to, to live, and you'll have nothing to do. And they talk about that like it's some type of utopia, when in fact, that would actually be the nail in the coffin of civilization. People need something to do. The Bible's very clear that idleness leads to sin. And we could look at those verses. Let me say lastly here, number one, work is godly. Number two, Work is good. Number three, and lastly, work is gratifying. Let me show you a final verse here. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We could read all through Genesis chapter 1. We won't for time's sake. But we see in the beginning of God, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we see the entire Trinity busy in the creation of all that is. John chapter one: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He formed everything that is. Goes on to say. Day one, we see light, verses 3 through 5. Day two, verses 6 through 8, he formed this firmament, the sky. Day three, land, verses 9 through 13. Day four, sun, moon, and stars, verses 14 through 19. Day five, sea, life, and fowls, verses 20 through 23. Day six, created animal life and man. 
Like verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Well, there's a lot of things important in that verse. Why don't you look at me just for a minute? The most important thing about you is the fact you were made in the image of God. That's what gives you worth. That's what makes you special. There are people trying to say that the most important thing about you is the color of your skin. And that's wrong. The most important thing about you is the language you speak, the culture that you have, the, the desires. The most important thing about you is how you feel. One sure way to make yourself miserable is try to figure out how you feel all the time. There'd probably be, if we took a poll, there'd probably be an awful lot of you here today that didn't feel like getting up this morning. You didn't feel like doing this or that. You're not going to feel like going to work. But young people are taught today that the most important thing about you is how you feel, including how you feel about your gender. What gender do you feel like? How do you feel about the world? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? It's a prison of despair and depression to focus so much on yourself, trying to make yourself happy all the time. The Bible says the best thing about you, the thing that gives you worth and makes you different from all the other animals is you are created in the image of God. Every young person on the planet needs to hear that. You are special. We don't even have time to get into the whole gender situations. The Bible says very clearly he made them male and female. If you're concerned about that, I'd love to have a private discussion with you. Let me help you. This whole idea that sex is biological and gender is ideological is very new to the world. No one has ever thought that in the history of the planet until about 15 minutes ago. And now they're saying that that's the absolute truth, and if you question it, you're a phobe this and you hate people and all of that. No, folks, it's just not true. And if you, if you believe that's true, I'd be happy to have a private conversation with you and help you and show you what the Word of God says. And we'd be happy to talk about science and all those types of things. But I want you to notice after everything that God did, He did something very interesting. Look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. I want you to watch this. God makes everything, and he steps back and goes, I did a good job. Have you ever done that? You accomplish some task, and you're like, wow, I did good. You know why you did that? Because you're made in the image of God. And work is gratifying. Work is satisfying. Work is an opportunity for you to put your know-how in your hands towards a project and get it all done. And there's nothing like the knowledge 
of a job well done. I did good. Never underestimate that. That tells us a couple things. Number one, do a good job. Don't cut corners. Don't do it halfway. Do a good job. Number two, this is what makes it so hard for people who struggle with health issues, disabilities, and even old age, is for our whole lives we define ourselves by what we've been able to accomplish. Let me encourage you, if you're in a situation where you can't do what you once did for whatever reason, that doesn't mean that you're less than. If you're disabled, you have a chronic illness, old age is catching up with you and you're you're just so frustrated you can't do what you used to do God's not upset at you as long as you still put him first and you do what you can Jesus said about the woman who anointed him she hath done what she could the greatest thing you can ever do is do what you can do the best job that you can in what God sets before you But this idea of work, it gives people purpose. It gives people a gratification that can come from no other way. So this week, how's this going to change us this week? I want you to go to work tomorrow, whether it's getting up and going to some business or going to an office or going to a job site. I want you on your way to work. I want you to say, wow, work is godly. I'm going to be like God today. I'm going to put in some hard work. Number two, work is good. Work's good for me. It's far better to be accomplishing something than sitting around binge watching Netflix or eating too many snacks or even doing something that I think I would want to do. You ever go to vacation and come back more miserable than you left? <laughs> you know, vacation's not always the answer. Sometimes it's a switch of the mind and the heart. But I also want you to leave work tomorrow and say, I did good. I did a good job. Maybe work is your house. Before you do that housework, before you take care of that project, before you do what's before you tomorrow, do it with all your heart. And then when you're done, say, I did that the best I could. And that will honor the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've heard today. I know I'm preaching to the choir on a lot of this, but it's things that you put on our heart and need to be said. And I ask, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you'd take what I said and make it profitable, that you would apply it to each and every heart. And, Lord, it can be worn out. It can wear us out, work can, especially those that have a lot on their plate. Pray that you'd comfort and encourage those who are hard workers. Help us to keep things in perspective. And Lord, those that don't work hard enough, I pray that you'd help them, all of us, to to honor you in our work.